0: To support the podcast, please like and share with other teachers. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. And now, here are Laura and Rhonda.
1: Hello, welcome to Whole Brain Teaching the podcast. I'm Rhonda Arlt, and we are glad that you are all here listening with us today. I am a second grade teacher in Goddard, Kansas, um, advanced platinum certified instructor and assistant director of certification. And I couldn't be here without my bestie, Laura. Laura, would you introduce yourself?
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Rhonda. Uh, My name is Laura Forehand, and I teach second grade in Northwest Missouri, and Rhonda and I both work on certification, that bronze level. Um, We help Nancy Stoltenberg with that, and uh, let's see, I think I've been doing whole-brain teaching. We were talking about this before the podcast, I think, seven years? I don't know. We (laughs) lose track. It's just been so much fun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: been so much fun. But on today's podcast, we are going to dive into a new and exciting conversation. Rhonda and I have been part of Whole Brain Teaching, like I said, for seven seven to eight years. And we have seen its transformational power for so many teachers and their students, including our own personal classrooms. However, there is a new vision happening within Whole Brain Teaching, a way of bringing in even more of our teacher and student populations. And we're gonna talk today about People, students, and teachers with visual impairment. So today, we have Silver-certified whole brain teaching instructor, Lakedra Lozano. Excuse me. Tell me how to pronounce your last name. I was going to ask you Hello, before. Lozano. Lozano. Okay, Lakedra Lozano, and she is here to talk to us about this very important endeavor. Welcome to the podcast, Lakedra
2: thank you thank you i'm super excited to be
1: here so excited we are excited to talk to you about this new aspect of whole brain teaching before we discuss all the details we want to start by learning a little bit more about you and what brought you to whole brain teaching
2: sure so i I always tell people that my background in education is varied Um, Mm -hmm. It started out with me never wanting to teach and ended up with me having two master's degrees and a specialist degree in all areas of education. So I pretty much taught uh, from infants all the way, all the way up the uh, lifespan. So uh, my primary, I guess, work right now is K through 12 music. And um, I do some other things like run my own school, but that's a whole different conversation. So uh, <laughs> I'm working with the preschool through 12th grade population for the most part um, on a whole lot of different things. So it's, it's very varied. My background is varied. And uh, yeah, um, what got me into whole brain teaching? I've been at this now, this will be my eighth year using whole brain teaching. Um, so I started out kind of at the the same time as you all did um, and it started out with me kind of going down a, I saw a video a random video on like Facebook or YouTube and it was just an, something and it wasn't whole brain teaching related or anything but I had done a search to find this particular video I had never found it but whole brain teaching popped up it was a classroom management video I, I really enjoyed what the the teacher was doing and I was looking for it on YouTube and things like that whole brain teaching pops up and I'm like oh what's this So then I go down the illustrious rabbit hole that a lot of us have gone down and it started out with me watching, um, a first grade teacher with 30, some kids and, and she was doing class. Yes. Mirror words and the three peat. And I'm like, Oh, this is cool. Um, so I dived in, wanted to learn more, started watching even more videos and, and you know, kind of seeing how it uh, translated to upper grades and, and everything else. And uh, then I saw that it was working at the college level. And I'm like, oh, this is neat. This is so neat. Um, so, yeah, I went down the rabbit hole and then I started the certification journey, stopped the certification journey. I had four kids and came back to certification (laughs) (laughs) Um, so here's the gold soon here's the gold Um, i'm really working on that gold level so yeah and i've loved whole brain get it ever since i found it so yeah i fell in love it was love at first sight and i'm (laughs) blessed and grateful to uh have found it and to have met wonderful wonderful educators through whole brain teaching and we're all you know we all have a common interest.
0: I agree. Absolutely. So let's first try to define what is meant by visually impaired. I think we all kind of have a different definition of that. And I know for me, I think visual impairment, as those individuals who are completely blind, like no vision at all. But can you help educate us with the term visual impairment? Does sight fall on a spectrum when it comes to visually impaired?
2: Yes. So when we think about visual impairments, a lot of people automatically go towards what you can see. So you see somebody coming with a white cane and the red tip, and you're like, okay, that person probably is, you know, is likely blind or can't see or something like that. However, you don't think about the person that might be colorblind, or the person that might be nearsighted, you know, so it does fall or the person that might be um, they have problems where they can see some and not all or, you know, so it is it's a continuum. So it's anything that's going to affect your vision, anything, it doesn't necessarily mean you're blind, it doesn't necessarily mean you have all these eye issues. It's anything that's going to affect your vision okay. in general.
0: And do you mind sharing with us a little bit about your visual abilities? Sure. So I um, was a
2: 24 weaker one pound, five ounce baby. So I was one of those micro preemies that were born in the eighties, low chance of survival, et cetera, et cetera. I was born blind. My eye, whatever muscles and nerves that were supposed to develop didn't get a chance to, and my one eye. Um, so I was born blind. I don't know, and blind in one eye, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I don't know any other way of life. If that makes sense. I could see out of one eye and then I was born blind Um, in the other eye so I don't know any you know I've always had to you know work with one eye well you know as you get older the eye that you have starts to kind of go you know as we get older Um, so that happened to me very quickly in life my freshman year I suffered a retinal detachment in my good eye and good is in huge quotation marks air (laughs) quotes whatever you want to call them (laughs) Um, It was my freshman year of high school. I suffered a retinal detachment in the good eye and my vision, my visual acuity went from 2070 which is considered low vision in the professional world to about 2100 which is 2200 I'm sorry which is considered legally blind um I then you know again you're getting older and older and you're still you know living and doing doing your thing and adapting you know everything to what you can do and what you can see and can't see um after after the retinal detachment I was told that I needed to learn blindness skills, which means how do I walk with a white cane? Because sometimes at night I do, I use my cane because I can't see steps or objects and, and whatever. So sometimes I do. Uh, I also learned Braille very quickly. I learned how to read Braille and transcribe, you know, different things in Braille because um, with. My retinal detachment, I am at the eye doctor every three to six months, sometimes even sooner than that. Mm -hmm. Um, So mine fluctuates daily. Um, Now, um, my vision, my visual acuity, again, 2020, you guys, you know, know is good vision. We all know that that's like the perfect vision or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine is 2600. 2600 um, is that giant E on the the eye chart that your doctor always, you know, uses can you read these letters i can see the big e some days so that's, that's kind of where that's kind of where i'm at now and then my the eye that i was blind in actually was removed about a year ago um, due to glaucoma so mm-hmm. i had glaucoma in an eye that i couldn't see out of so it was a whole lot of pain and we just said take it out be gone <laughs> so gotcha. did that and good decision in the long run because I'm out of pain, but, uh, you know, that did something to my body as well. It didn't affect the visual thing, but, um, it definitely gave my body a shock that I'm still trying to overcome even today. I'm trying to get used to that, you know,
1: kind of missing a, missing a body part. <laughs> right. Well, thank you for sharing that very personal story that, I mean, that I think that it helps out our listeners a lot, kind of understanding your background. So thanks for sharing that. So, Let's discuss whole brain teaching um, adaptations with respect to students and teachers with visual impairments. Can you tell us how you have adapted some of the main aspects of whole brain teaching? Um, I want to talk about several, but let's just first talk about the teaching cycle. How have you adapted that?
2: Sure. So for the teaching cycle and a lot of things, whole brain teaching, you know, we lo- we we learn about the brain. That's our biggest lesson in whole brain teaching. Right? right. So we learn about the brain and we learn about that visual cortex and how important that is. Well, what if we don't have that? You know, what if mm-hmm. we don't have some of that? Right. So um, I know that Coach B always says the more teachers talk, the more <laughs> kids we lose. <leave."> well, <laughs> these kids that um, are not able to see as well or even teachers that aren't able to see as well we kind of need a little more description Mm. so for the teaching cycle um do you mind if i just go through it quickly and the way i kind (laughs) of introduce it sure so class yes is very easy um and i tell my class i'm gonna say class you're gonna say yes and we do the stop what you're doing um you know, stop what you're doing. Look at the teacher. Um, when I say look at the teacher too, I do mean look at the teacher. Even if you're blind, you can use that terminology. Look at your teacher, find out where the sound is coming from, right? And turn your focus towards that teacher and then fold your hands. That is an easy concept. Anybody can do that, right? Mm -hmm. Or, uh, thank you. You're welcome. I would say, okay, class, I'm going to say, thank you. You're going to say, you're welcome. We're going to put our hands over our heart and cross our hands over our heart. That's it. Eh. Mirror words. I'm going to put my hands up like I'm stopping, like I'm putting the brakes on. I'm telling somebody to stop touching me. I'm pushing my hands out. Okay. And then I use a lot of memory gestures. I am not a social gesturing kind of a person because for someone who, again, can't see as well, that's not going to mean anything. Mm -hmm. So I use a lot of memory gestures. So if it's, you know today. Um, my gesture for today is, you know, I'm putting my hands down. So today, and I tell my kids, all right, put your hands down. And I'm explaining basically my gestures, I have to explain my gestures in very descriptive terms, um, in order for the kids to um, get it. And then, of course, the teach OK. Once again, my variety with teach OK and most of the cycle is in my voice and my uh, expressions, not necessarily Mm -hmm. my hands. Now, a kid can tell the difference between clap, snap, stomp. So teach OK is fun. I can do a lot of variety with that, um, with those different sounds, but it doesn't necessarily all have to be visual. So basically how I have adapted the teaching cycle is just I'm a little more descriptive than you know, someone without a visual impairment would be. And again, I'm like this to the entire class. It's going to help someone else out, not just the person mm-hmm. that can't see. You know, it's going to help so maybe that maybe that sensory processing disorder person that takes a minute to process what you're saying. You know, so it's going to help them out too. I take it a little slower than you know probably most of your teachers would. Mm-hmm.
1: So, do you do that too? Like with the rules, just do more explaining verbally with what you want your your expectations to be for the rules
2: uh so rule number one is follow directions quickly say okay class rule number one is follow directions quickly what we're going to do to uh show us how to follow directions quickly we're going to stick our finger out and move it around like a worm (laughs) follow directions quickly you know, raise your hand for permission to speak sounds like, okay, we're going to raise our hand. Everyone can do that. And we're going to make our hands talk and we're going to make the talking motion. Everyone knows how their mouths move. Right. So we move them mm-hmm. and then and down, same thing with raise your hand for permission. See, basically, again, it's very briefly explaining the gestures, right. getting down and dirty right to the point, And, and, you know,
1: you move on. So what about scoreboard?
2: Scoreboard. I am very just explicit on all right. Everybody, we get a point on the turtle side. Give it to me. Oh yeah, I have to just announce it mm-hmm. before I write it down. It's not everybody. Give it to me while I'm writing it. Nope, because you, you know, it's right. or I can say that and go. Okay, one two three oh Oh yeah, it's more verbal cues. It's it's right. all verbal cues. Um, and then
1: what about well, super improvers?
2: Super improver always fun. It really depends on your students. So if you're, um, if you happen to know that you're getting a student who reads braille or needs something tactile, make sure you're discussing that with the appropriate people, your special education team, their teacher for the, their TVI. So a lot of those students have a, a uh, teacher of the visually impaired who can help you with those accommodations. So maybe your background background, for that particular student card is different because they don't like, they can't do the contrast. They can't see the contrast or the black and white. Maybe they just want tactile something. So make sure, you know, you can get their name labeled in Braille if they're a Braille reader. And then their. um, Stars would be, you know, you can use those tactile gemstone stickers uh, that are raised mm-hmm. so that, you know, that student can go and, oh, I need two more stars because I feel there's three here, you know, so there, you know, you can use more tactile clues. Um, if you have a whole class that has a variety of needs, you just have to adapt it to those particular students and make sure that they have access to their, at least their card and maybe someone else is if someone else is comfortable because you know or it's a display so you want everybody to see so maybe you use gemstones for everybody and maybe mm-hmm. everyone gets a braille label um not that difficult to do you know especially in a um in a classroom full of you know you know 25 students it's not very difficult to get braille labels for everybody so that student doesn't feel like oh i don't know how many uh stars this person has to um um, encourage them to keep going, etc. So you can do that for the entire class as well, you know, but it really depends on your situation and your student, because everyone is super different when it comes to their needs, uh, as a visually impaired person or totally blind person.
0: Yeah. And I think I like the ideas, yeah, those are really good ideas. And I think it's important. Um, like you mentioned, to make sure that you know your students, you know, know your students and what their needs are. Um, I think that goes for every, every teacher, every classroom, and especially our, you know, our visually impaired teachers and students. So, um, as a teacher, I, I guess through your definition, I have some visual impairment, but definitely not on the scale that you have or that other teachers might have. But let's say a teacher like me that really doesn't have um, a visual impairment to your extent. Um, If a student presents in my class who does have a visual, it does have visual impairments. um, Can they use the same accommodations in their whole brain teaching classroom? So I, I think I know the answer to this based on what you just said, but how, how can I make sure that my classroom is accommodated? Would I, would I do those same things that you're talking about?
2: absolutely so again this works and any that's the goal here is to really not change up what is already there mm-hmm. but to really make it work for your class so yes this works for anybody and again you might not be hitting necessarily the visual impaired person in your class mm-hmm. but you're hitting that other student that again maybe needs a, a slower processing time or maybe you're hitting a i need more you know that um real visual audio learner you know maybe they're not a visual person and the gestures are difficult for them to Mm -hmm. even you know do and maybe they just need that description really quick and it's like oh I got this you know so yes you can you can do this in again any classroom it doesn't matter if you or a student has any kind of problems like that it's just another way of being mindful that maybe someone does and it's not disclosed because that happens too. think about, you know, us K through two teachers, right? You get those kids that haven't been identified yet as having any kind of problems because maybe it hasn't popped up yet, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's just something you can do as um, just, you know, in general, Um, like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, for a specific student, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does make sense. And I love how, like, when you're talking about those raised stars for super improver cards, I mean, like you had mentioned, you know, that could be for your, um, for your sensory kiddos, you know, that could be for your sensory kiddos. So, I mean, these don't necessarily have to be accommodations that are used just in a visual classroom they could be for sensory kiddos as well so yeah so um i we've talked about on our podcast before and a huge aspect of whole brain teaching is the no fear classroom um can you talk to us a little bit about how we can be sure to set up our classrooms to be no fear with keeping inclusivity in mind
2: Sure. So for, you know, in whole brain teaching, there is no, there's, uh, you know, we all, we're all about the questions of love, wonder words and asking all those questions, right. We're all about those questions, but there are some people who do not want help right away, you know, so we have to be able to give them that space to when they do need help, let them ask for help and let it be, you know, yes, sure. I'll help you. Or sure. Um, Johnny, will you help Susie? Um, you know, or Brad, can you help Kara over here? You know make it to where if you need help, ask me if you don't, I'm gonna leave you to your devices because you know what you're doing. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. Don't make it so you know don't uh I always say, don't single out you know we don't single out anyone, we don't single out the the beloved rascal, mm-hmm. we don't single out anyone in our in our class, you know, except for you know when acknowledging improvement and things like that, so sure. you wouldn't do that when you have someone you know, with a challenge in your classroom, right? So don't pair up the person with a visual impairment with someone that doesn't have a visual impairment on purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Some teachers do that just oh, you know, Johnny needs a helper kind of a thing. And it's a really good place to come from, but it's not very inclusive. Mm -hmm. Make sure that, you know, your student with the visual impairment has a chance to interact with everybody. You know, if your whole class is switching partners, make sure johnny switching partners too if your whole class is doing center make sure everyone is doing centers and allow space for johnny to either ask for help or not because johnny might be working on independence as well that's a big big component he might be working on independent learning or and something something a goal of his that you don't even know about you know maybe he's working at independently finding the pencil sharpener right so allow Johnny to be independent and ask for help as needed. Mm-hmm. Don't just go or allow someone else to just jump in and help Johnny. We want to, we really want to, That's <laughs> again, coming from a good place, but, you know, let Johnny find his own way and allow him to ask for help if needed, you know, and if not, if you can tell that they're struggling, then, you, you know, as a teacher, you go over and say, would you like some help? And again, allow them space to say yes or no, I've mm-hmm. got this, or can you give me a direction? Uh, to the pencil sharpener, I've kind of gotten turned around. It happens. Oh boy, does it happen! Mm-hmm. Um, as a teacher, as a teacher of the visually impaired, I have gotten my left and right mixed up so many times that I've sent kids um, flying into garbage cans. You know, it happens. Mm-hmm. It does. It yeah. absolutely happens, and you know, we're all still cool. We're still cool, right? <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Things well, are okay. You- I promise.
1: They're okay. You bring up a lot of great points that I think teachers, you know, have just overlooked. So I'm glad you're bringing that to our, our attention. So as we close out this very um, important and informative podcast on the whole brain teaching inclusive, can you talk to us about the importance of inclusion in your classroom?
2: So again. It- as teachers, we all know this, I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but you know, it's always important just to be as inclusive as you can possibly be. You know, some teachers, we some things we don't think about. And I know that that it's, it's hard, it's hard to think about everything when you have to think about everything. We're teachers, we gotta think about 5,000 different things. So this is one extra thing to think about. But when you design a lesson, when you design your classroom, you wanna keep certain things in mind kind of what if scenarios you may not have that situation but what if I have someone with a visual challenge what if someone can't hear me well what if someone needs the sensory thing and I you know what if I have all three of those combined because that also happens you know what if I have all this combined so how can I set up my classroom to make sure that everybody feels included and everyone is comfortable. So it's very, very important. And while we're on that subject, make sure again, that everything that you do is inclusive. If you, if you know the person with your visual impairment is also your beloved rascal and we're making sure we're giving mighty groans for, you know, different things our rascals are doing, make sure that's happening. You know, don't again, coming from a really good place, but don't say, Oh, Johnny's gonna get it he's no 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 Johnny will get it absolutely but despite Johnny's challenge, get, challenges he's still a beloved rascal <laughs> so we would treat Johnny like we would treat all of our beloved rascals right right so yeah. you know um poor Johnny I keep using him in all these things <laughs> but uh, Johnny needs a break <laughs> um but yeah, yeah you want to make sure that everything you do if you do it for one you got to make sure you're doing it for everybody so as to not you know we don't single people out in whole brain teaching anyway so you know just it's just a reminder because again teachers we we have big hearts we're coming from love and good places but it's not going to be it's not going to benefit that person in the long run if we treat them differently right right and you know i I don't speak for the whole blindness community when I say this, but I speak for myself. I just want to walk into a room and feel like everybody else feels, you yeah. know? Yeah. You know, I want to make sure that the things that I read, I can read the things that I have to produce writing, braille, whatever the case may be, I can produce, you know, accessible, accessibly. And yeah, I just want to feel like everyone else. Um, so, yeah,
0: that was one of the biggest, um, uh, pieces of advice my daughter gave me when uh, my grandson was born, because he has, uh, he's medically complex. And and part of that is visual. And uh, of course, as a grandma, you know, you just want to, <laughs> they're perfect, right? They're perfect. They can't do anything wrong. And she was just like, mom, he's being ornery. Don't let him get away with that. And I, so I think that's really good advice. And I think you're right. We do those things out of a place of, Um, compassion. But in the long run, they're not beneficial. So thank you for bringing that to our attention. I think that's so important. So I'm going to ask you, where is the vision of Whole Brain Teaching Inclusive? Where do you see that heading? Yep.
2: So I know that right now we're working on developing, making sure that our website is accessible, um, our slideshows are accessible by putting in alt- alternative text or alt text, which is descriptions of the photos, because it's very important. You know, we, uh, Whole Brain Teaching, again, very visual. Coach does a wonderful job at the visual uh, posters and everything, but, you know, we have to be able to see those with our screen reader, so that's one of the things we're doing right now, and I know that the vision of the the team that is has been put together, and it's fantastic, is really making whole brain teaching as accessible to everybody. So not just visual impairments, but hearing, Mm -hmm. mobility, uh, you know, our sensory students, our students that have um, autism, and every, you know, as much as we can, our um, English as a second language, all of that, we, you know, we want to make it inclusive everywhere. And just know that it's a process. It's taking time, it is in the works, everything that we're trying to do is, is slow going and a process, but it is in the works. And it's very, uh, it's at the top of our priority list. Um, I know, as a as a committee, it's kind of on like, it's always in the back of our minds. And it's, it's we have a fantastic team uh, working with
0: us. So right. So, yeah. and that's I was going to ask what other aspects of inclusion are you hoping to bring into this new area of whole brain teaching? So I heard you mention something, some of those, you know, with, hearing impaired and I mean what about like mobility?
2: Yeah mobility so you know some of our students are not verbal right mm-hmm. so how okay. do we re- how do we respond? Mm-hmm. you know how do we respond to the class yes Well, what about putting class yes on their? Uh, devices where they're speaking, where they're communicating, or meeting them where they are in terms of their communication. You know, if they can only do a sign language, yes, then that's what we get. That's awesome. You know, so, you know, things like that. And, you know, a lot of this is, um, you know, I'm not a part of a lot of these different other communities. I can speak on the visual thing because I am a teacher and I've been a student and things like that. But um, you know, some of these other communities I'm not personally a part of, so I'm learning as well. A lot of us are on this committee are learning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's in the works, it's out there. Um, We're researching, we're learning, we're, we're trying to find best practices.
0: Yeah.
1: Perfect. So where can people find more information about whole brain teaching inclusive?
0: So just kind of
1: touched
2: on it. So sure. So I know that there is a Facebook group in the works, like all of our Facebook groups, there's one in the works. It's not, not ready yet to my knowledge, but it's in the works. And um, specifically for visual impairments, these are just some general resources you can go. These are all the national associations that deal with blindness. So one of them is the national federation for the blind, Mm -hmm. nfb.org. One of them is the, American Foundation for the Blind, afb.org, and then the American Council for the Blind, acb.org. Um, you can uh, go, and there's always resources for teachers and students and families that are experiencing vision mm-hmm. in and You can learn more about the different eye conditions and some just basic um, ways to kind of help your family, your friends, your students. Um, So all three of those websites are, uh, are very good to get information and just keep, um, keep watching the Whole Brain Teaching Facebook pages for uh, the group to be up. And, you know, like I said, just know that this is a process and
1: uh, we're super excited about it.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I'm
1: excited to hear there's a Facebook um, group coming up with that.
0: I think that's going to be an, an awesome place for people to ask questions. And like you said, you shared some of those resources here, but to get more resources, um, including what you were talking about, like those different posters and, and slides that Coach has has created with the alternative text. So I think I think that's going to be phenomenal once that gets up and going. So, well, LaKeidra, we have learned so much from you today and we're so grateful that you were able to come and be on our podcast um we want to encourage people to continue to follow those facebook pages that lakedra was talking about and continue to to be looking for that um, whole brain teaching inclusive facebook page also remember our Instagram page, all the latest information will, will be on there on how to tips and tricks for your whole brain teaching classroom. And, and hopefully even on the Facebook pages that we have now, Lakidra, I'm hoping that maybe some people will even put some um, tips and tricks on there f- to improve inclusivity in their classrooms. So maybe some conversations will start there that um, people can maybe pick your brain about on those um, Facebook pages as well. So we are just realized I didn't
2: mention a strategy that's already been in place in whole brain teaching that is really beneficial for your your visually impaired. So when you do mirror words, I I meant to mention this in my mirror words conversation, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. use magic mirrors. So instead of you making up the gestures and the students copying you allow the students to make up their own gestures and it makes them in charge of their own learning and you're not worried about what you know you're telling the story, they're making up the gestures. So that is a huge one that I use and I totally I'm still cool that I didn't mention that earlier. <laughs> That's but it's okay. one of them. It's one of those strategies that are already there, already in place, but it's brilliant for for the visually impaired classroom,
0: I can tell yeah. you that. Good. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah.
1: That's just awesome. I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, you brought a lot of things kind of to the forefront that, you know… I just didn't think about or make the connection with. And I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Remind our listeners to follow us on your favorite podcast app and to share this podcast with all the teachers in your life. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a brand new episode.